Now, before I get into the message, um, I, I first feel like I, I need to tell you something. I've been thinking of this through this week. And that is that, that you, Faith Westwood, are an awesome church. What, you know, I feel so blessed to be the pastor of a church like this. Uh, I see so much warmth and grace and kindness in you. I see that you are, you are eager to serve the Lord, you are eager to serve one another, and you are eager to work and outside and serve it to our neighbors in the community. I, you know, I came to this church and I didn't know what to expect, but over these eight and a half years, you have just amazed me. You, you are a praying people. You, you are eager to, uh, and hungry for the word. Uh, you, you welcome, I've seen you over and over, you welcome people with open arms. And you will do anything, virtually anything, to bless our children and students. You, you, over and over, you have, you have gone over the top to make sure that, that we, they have everything that they need to be growing in their faith, to be blessed in their lives. You know, I hear some pastors complain about their churches. Not me. Not me. Yesterday, the United Methodist General Conference uh, began meeting uh, in St. Louis, and today they really begin their work. And so between now and Tuesday, 864 delegates are going to consider and vote on uh, the teachings and policies of our denomination in terms of sexual, uh, human sexuality, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know what they're going to decide I know, I, I expect that whatever is decided, some people are going to be disappointed. Some are going to be hurt and angry, and some will leave the church. I went to uh, the bishop's town hall meeting back in August. Uh, here, it was held here in Omaha, one of them, um, just to kind of learn more about the proposals that were coming before General Conference. And it seemed to me that whatever, whatever option is passed or not passed, uh, there is a huge potential for a split in our denomination. Uh, and I remember that day telling one of my colleagues, telling her, I'm grieving. And I'm still grieving. But what I need to say to you today is that whatever General Conference decides, my focus is going to be on preserving the unity of Faith Westwood. That's my goal. I want our focus uh, to be on what unites us. So anyway, what I'm thinking is that at a month from today, on March 24th, after our uh, worship at noon, uh, I'm going to hold a little Q&A time about General Conference. I feel like I want to wait a month or so, wait a month so that all the dust settles and kind of see how everything sorts out. But I want to have that time to respond to your questions and, and uh, just kind of see where we're at. Um, but what I'd like for us to do now is to pray about it, okay? Let's pray about uh, General Conference and the future of the United Methodist Church and the future of Faith Westwood. Let's pray. Oh God, you are the sovereign one and you have raised up uh, many denominations to serve you and we are a part of one of them, the United Methodists. And so Lord, we are praying right now for these delegates that are meeting. Uh, 
Give them grace. Give them wisdom as they discern and debate and vote. Lord, help them to treat one another as sisters and brothers and not as enemies. Jesus, you prayed for us. You prayed that your people would be one. And so we ask that you would keep us here at Faith Westwood focused on the main thing. Keep us focused on knowing you and being your disciples. And keep us focused on helping others find you and becoming your disciples. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, uh, I, I can tell you that I've been to school a lot in my life. But the last time that I was a full-time student was in 1992. Trish and I had, had two uh, early elementary age kids, you know, the kind that would hang on your legs when you try to walk, about that age. And, and I, was, I was trying to get through uh, school. I was driving a delivery truck and going full-time to school, uh, trying to get another master's degree. It was, it, was, it was really hard. It was challenging. But I held on because I knew that there was a day coming. Right? There was a day in front of me that I could point to. That was graduation day. And some of you are students. And you're looking forward to graduating maybe from high school or college or beyond. Uh, for some of you now, the day that you're sort of uh, pining for is retirement day. Uh, that'll be the day, right? You, maybe you've even got that marked on your calendar. That's going to be the day. When you let go of the, of the full-time work week and, and try out an easier pace of life, but I just want to give a warning. The people I know who have retired say, you know, I'm just as busy now, but maybe it's a better busy. I don't know. The last six weeks, we have been talking about some big ideas of the Bible, and today we're going to look at the last one. This is the last of the series, uh, and it's called The Day, The Day of the Lord. What does that mean? What is the day of the Lord? Well, to introduce it, we are going to watch this video. Here we go. Okay. Well, by the way, I wanted to let you know that if you go to thebibleproject.com, there are lots and lots of these videos. And they are, they are so good. Um, and uh, so maybe you just feel like that's kind of a, a learning tool you want to have or something to kind of jumpstart your, your search for God or uh, learning of the Bible. I would encourage you to, to go find those. So the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is when God acts decisively to put things right. As the video said that there were a few of those in the Bible times. Day of the Lord. And I've been thinking maybe there have been some others since. You know, Abraham Lincoln spoke of the war between the North and the South as God's judgment on the sin of slavery. Was the Civil War a day of the Lord? Maybe. Uh, but when Christians normally talk about the day of the Lord, what it means is the day Jesus returns. 
And on that day, it's going to be like he comes and he's the referee and he blows his whistle and he stops the game and, and God is going to then sort everything out and the world will be healed and evil will be judged and eternity will begin. Until then, though, we know that God is at work in this world every day. Uh, a couple days ago, I watched the video that we showed last Easter uh, and uh, Shane Goffner, who was playing keyboard up here, uh, was one of the people in the video. And he shared about how when he first came to, uh, to Faith Westwood, he came to hear his brother, who was also playing and singing in the band. And he said that the message that day that he heard just like, it was just tailor-made for him. And he felt like God was talking to him. And then he, that day he even went to one of the prayer teams and, and asked them to pray for him. And that began something. God started healing his heart. And you know, we find that kind of story happening over and over and over here. This is, what, this is the kind of stuff God does every day. God is at work in this world. But that also raises a sticky question, doesn't it? Because if God is at work in this world, then why isn't the world a better place? If God is at work, why does slavery even happen at all? Why is there war and poverty and racism? Those are not easy questions. But they point to what I believe is a tension in our faith. And, and here's, here's the tension of our faith. Faith says this. I believe God is good even when life is not. And I trust that one day God will put things right. Now, to me, that is bedrock biblical belief. Will you say it with me? I believe God is good even when life is not. And I trust that one day God will put things right. We live in a world in, with injustice and corruption and violence and we believe that one day on that day our good God will put things right you know the Psalms uh, in the Bible are Israel's hymnal um, the, 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 it was you know the Psalms were the synagogue songbook that Jesus had when he was growing up and lived on the earth and so Psalm 146 if you um, if you would uh, if, did I open, have you opened that up with me already? Anyway, turn to that uh, on page uh, 625. Yeah, page 625. And, and uh, look it up that with me. Um, I picked this psalm because uh, it sings of a God who is good even when life is not. And it starts with uh, the words, praise the Lord. And you already know the Hebrew for that, right? Hallelujah. There you go. Uh, so as you, as you find this Psalm 146, jump down first to verses 7, 8, and 9. And rather than read the whole thing, I just want us to note, um, look at what's at the end of the lines and see who it is that God is helping. You with me? The oppressed, the hungry, the prisoners, the blind, the bowed down, not as in bowed in reverence, but as in bowed under a heavy load, okay? The righteous, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. And we could add to this list, it's not meant to be exhaustive, the lonely, 
the grieving, the sad, the sick. You could go on and on. These are the ones, it's saying, that the Lord feeds, defends, sets free, gives sight to, loves, lifts up, sustains, and watches over. But now this raises another question. If these are the people God cares about, then why are they oppressed, hungry, imprisoned, blind, bowed down, orphaned, and widowed? If God is the Almighty and if God truly cares for them, then why are they suffering? Well, we're back to that hard question, aren't we? But the psalm says that even now God is helping them and God wants all of us who claim to be his people to join him in helping them, helping each other. You know, to me it's like Psalm uh, 146 elevates people. It elevates the poor, the oppressed, the disabled, the overworked, the foreign born, the orphan and the widowed. This is their song of praise. So, you have your Bible open? You with me? Because I'm going to ask you to read verses 1 and 2 out loud with me. Okay, good and strong. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Now, do they sing God's praise because they've had an easy life? No. They've had more than their share of misery, so this is not easy praise. They've had to dig down deep for it, but they keep on singing. Now, Psalm 146 is also a teaching song, and we see that in verses 3 and 4. It says, do not put your trust in princes. Would it be fair to translate this as politicians? In human beings who cannot save... When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. There will come a day when the empty promises of the powerful are exposed. And then the teaching continues with the blessing in verse 5. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord their God. And they say, I may be poor, I may be hungry, I may be overworked and underpaid, but I put my hope in God, and one day he will make things right. Why do they count on God? Because they know who God is. Look at it in verse 6. He is the maker of heaven and earth, at the sea and everything in them. And get this, he remains faithful forever. Who remains faithful forever? God remains faithful forever. Who remains faithful forever? God remains faithful forever. Who remains faithful forever? God remains faithful forever. You know, recently I got to visit um, with some people from one of our sister United Methodist churches here in Omaha. There were a couple of tables of us visiting together, and, and most of them were fairly new to their church. And, and they just said how much they love it. They told me how their worship is just led by the Holy Spirit. And they love their pastor and how dynamic she is in the Word and in the, in the Spirit. And they told me how their church is small, but it is growing. And yet, one of the challenges that they face is that most of the people in this church live on an extremely low income. No wonder their church building is long overdue on repairs. 
When a furn- you know, when a furnace breaks down in our church, which happened actually a couple weeks ago, you know what we do? We call up the people. We call up the repair people. Hey, we, we need you to come take care of this. And they do. At this church where I was visiting, they can't do that. And yet, here's what I found. I found myself wishing I had more of the joy of the Lord that I saw in them. You know, the Bible talks over and over about the day of the Lord. One place is called uh, the day of God's wrath, and another place is called the day of redemption. It's both. Mostly it's just called the day of the Lord or that day. It'll be both judgment day and salvation day. So here's what I want us to do. That, that statement that we had earlier, here it is. I want us to just say it out big and strong as a, as a witness to our faith. I believe God is good even when life is not. And I trust that one day God will put things right. An estimated 300,000 Christians live in the country of North Korea. So they're just over 1% of the population. And many of them are forced to work in labor camps. North Korea ranks as the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Imagine with me a few uh, believers gathering secretly in a tool shed at the labor camp. And one of them pulls from their pocket a torn out page from the Bible. And in joyful whispers, they, they worship God with Psalm 146. So here's what I want you to do. Imagine that you are one of those few huddled in that tool shed at the labor camp. It's cold. Your coat is thin. All you've had to eat that day is a, is a handful of rice. You know you've got just about three minutes that you can be together before you're missed and, and you have to get back to work. So, you still have your Bible open? What I want us to do is read verses 1 through 5 together, but I want, us to, I want us to imagine that you're huddled up with a few sisters and brothers, and you have to whisper, but you're saying it because this is your opportunity to worship together. Let's say it together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Now, our sisters and brothers in the labor camp, know that they're probably going to die there in that labor camp. But they also know that there will come a day when the maker of heaven and earth and seas will give them resurrection bodies and bring them to his eternal kingdom. And he will say, I am your God and you are my children. And Jesus will say, great is your reward in heaven. You see, this is why believers are so dangerous in a regime like North Korea. These believers hold to a higher uh, justice. They cling to a greater kingdom. I believe God is good. 
even when life is not. And I trust that one day, one day, God will put things right. Now, sometimes we get angry, right? We get angry with God. I've, I've been angry with God. Sometimes we want to know, God, why did you let this happen? Or we say, oh, Lord, things are so bad. Wouldn't this, Jesus, wouldn't this be a good time for you to come back? And I imagine every generation has, has said that. But I also have to believe that God's wisdom far surpasses my puny brain. Um, Peter, uh, the apostle Peter wrote a letter a few decades after Jesus' resurrection to some disciples who were wondering why Jesus hadn't come back yet. And here's what he said. He said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So what may seem to us like a delay in the day of the Lord is really about God's love and his desire to save more, to give everyone another chance. And there are so many people today that God is waiting for patiently, calling them, caring for them, speaking to their hearts. And he says, give me your life and I'll give it back to you better than ever. I'll bring beauty out of your suffering. I'll bring joy out of your misery. He says, come to me. Let's just start over. I can make all things new in your life. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we thank you that uh, the day of the Lord is coming. And that's going to be a great day of great rejoicing and celebration. We are going to be dancing and uh, uh, singing. And, uh, Lord, we thank you that you are good. You are perfectly just and perfectly merciful. And uh, we leave all these things into your hand. And, Lord, while we may cry out for you to come because of the way the world is, we trust in your goodness we trust in your wisdom that you have this timing all laid out perfectly so Lord we don't understand what the day of the Lord is exactly going to look like or what it's going to be like but Lord we trust in you because you are good Lord we do grieve for all the the pain and suffering and evil that we see in the world and we pray oh Lord Come, Lord Jesus, come. And we look forward to that day. And Lord, for some here who today who might be feeling, you know, I don't know that I'm really in the right relationship with Jesus to be looking forward to that day. And I would just say, well, then let it be today that you say, Jesus, I am all yours. I need you. I give you my life because I trust that you are good and you're going to give it back to me better than ever. Lord, I need you to, to turn my my suffering into something beautiful, turn my misery into joy. And Lord, we ask that you'll forgive us of our many sins and lead us in the path of righteousness. We pray in, in your great name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.